Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forkstown Podcast. Your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. My name is Rick Clark and with me as always the guy who loves popcorn more than I think anyone else in this world. Mr. Bo Chisholm. Bo, how are you doing today? Mr. Clark, I'm doing uh, doing rather well, feeling well rested from our little uh, from our little All Star break that we had. Um, but yes. uh, how are you doing? Did you make it back safe? I made it back safe. Made it back in one piece. Maybe one of these episodes we'll talk about the car troubles I had in the middle of the All Star break. Made it home safe though. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm happy to be home. I'm happy to be with my wife. You know, obviously, but God, that was so fun. All-Star break was just tons of fun, you know, just everything going on. The Home Run Derby, the I had fun at the Celebrity Softball game, the Futures game, and then, of course, the All-Star game itself. Watching the AL actually blow the lead was pretty mind-blowing. thought the AL had it, you know, wrapped up in the bag for another year, but, you know, can't, can't win them all, I guess. Yeah, yeah, we just happen to be there the one time in ten years that we lose it. So, uh, yeah, no, very good time. And then you talk about the draft and everything at Lumen and what have you. It was just a dynamite experience. Knocked knocked it out of the park. It was great, 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 good time. So, yep. I highly recommend it to anyone that hasn't been to an All Star game before. Obviously, I don't know how the other ones are going to go because next year's in Arlington. I kind of am interested to see how they have that set up. Because, you know, ballpark, it, it, does it sit right by the old ballpark? The old quote-unquote ballpark in Arlington? Like their new uh, stadium? I think so. I think so. I think it's right around there, yeah. Maybe they could have play ball park in there, but I don't know. That'd be tough. You know, it's going to be hot. It's going to be hot. going to be hot. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Not Not every baseball stadium has their football stadium sit right by it. So, who knows? Anyways, <laughs> before we get into everything, thank you to all our listeners for returning for another episode of the Forks Down podcast. You know, um, you gave us a, a week off, you know, and it, it was nice, but Bo and I were kind of missing it, so we're glad we're back. You know, we're, we're glad we're giving you all this uh, Mariners talk that, that we have to offer, you know, from what we're seeing, you know, through the interwebs and watching the games, so... Thank you for joining us again, episode number 53. Um, and if, you know, it's your first time here, welcome to the Forks Down podcast. You know, hopefully we're your new home for Mariners baseball talk. Bo and I like to have a little bit of fun. And, um, you know, the previous 52 episodes are up on however you're listening, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcast, um, or excuse me, Apple Music, um, you know, Amazon Music. There's a bunch of different ones out there. So go back and listen to some old ones, you know, Bo and I, you can really tell that Bo and I have kind of progressed from being kind of not knowing what we're doing to kind of getting into the groove of things um, from episode one to episode number 53. So um, you know, if you haven't already, go hit up our social media pages. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Forks Down Pod. Um, you know, you'll find us there. We actually might be on threads soon. Um, you know, that's a discussion Bo and I were going to have, but I think we're going to hop up on threads seems pretty promising i don't know but if you've tried threads yet but uh you know it's kind of a twitter alternative but uh we'll let you know when we make that page and then uh if you haven't already go hit like and subscribe on your podcast listening app 
you'll get notified about new episodes dropping. Um, you know, going forward, obviously we're going to be same days, Tuesday and Friday is when you can hear new episodes of the podcast. But, uh, you know, if you hit like and subscribe, you would know that. So that was a mouthful today, Bo. With all that being said, let's get into Mariner's notes. Um, I don't know. The first one we have here, I don't find this shocking. And I think you could interchange this, this team that we're going to say is interested in Logan Gilbert. I think you can um, interchange this with any team in the league. I think there's 29 other teams that would like to have Logan Gilbert. But news came out this week that the Cardinals are interested in Logan Gilbert. And uh, it's funny because the Cardinals seem to be a very talked about trade partner for the Mariners. Yeah, I mean, you can you can find um, your know, articles and, you know, we talked a little bit about even before the season began, the Cardinals and the fit that they might be as a trade partner for just the level of talent that they have um, versus the level of pitching, the level of talent offensively that they have versus the level of talent that we have on the pitching side of things. So I think we've naturally lined up as a trade partner for quite a while. Um, I think the... Uh, the fact that it is Logan Gilbert, I, you know, makes a lot of sense. I think Logan Gilbert's, uh, you know, his overall value is starting to just tick up and up and up. I think with his last couple starts and just him settling in as a, I think a, you know, a top one, two, you know, type pitcher, I would say in the league. So, um, <clears throat> I would think that, uh, you know, a lot of teams would be interested in him. Um, and the Cardinals think that they might have maybe some pieces to kind of go and go and get pitching like that. So. Um, I think we, we've talked a, a lot about trade talk and I think everybody kind of has a take on what we would give up and what we would do for this and should we do it and what have you. And, um, I think we're both kind of getting aligned on like, if it's going to be Logan Gilbert for, for somebody from the Cardinals, um, I think value wise, um, I don't think I want to do it if it's not for like somebody that's going to be consistent or somebody that's going to be um uh an everyday like consistent player put them in the lineup um i think we've talked about this before like hash half measures getting like an abraham toro or somebody like that that maybe has potential to be something someday i don't think is really where the mariners should be right now and Mm -hmm. um if we trade logan gilbert for uh nolan gorman or if we trade him for jordan walker um you know pretty good names, pretty big names. Right. But, um, those guys are still a work in progress and I don't think the Mariners really need a work in progress. We don't need somebody that's going to, um, you know, maybe hit two home runs in one night and then go for 0 for four or four strikeouts the next night. So we need like a, a more consistency in the lineup. And I think if we're acquiring guys like that, I just don't think it's a fit. So how do you feel about it all? I, I 100% agree with you on that front. Um, you know, we've had conversations before. Um, I've had conversations with other uh, friends of mine, Mariners fans, um, and you know they they seem pretty adamant on being them being able to acquire a Jordan Walker or Nolan Gorman. I just, in my mind, I I just don't see it. I I don't see. I mean, how many bats have we seen just in our lifetime coming into Safeco now T-Mobile that were like, oh man, he's gonna he's offensive juggernaut he's gonna do well in this ballpark and then he doesn't you know your your favorite player adrian beltre those are some down years in a mariners uniform and i think you know the the stadium he was playing in had a lot to do with it because he went to he 
you know, he went to the Red Sox afterwards. He went to Texas and played consistently better than he did in the Mariners uniform, you know? So I just, it scares me that, you know, people are like, well, yeah, they should just offer Logan Gilbert for Jordan Walker, Logan Gilbert for Nolan Gorman. These are unproven guys. And there's a reason that the Cardinals are sitting where they're sitting right now. You know, uh, I'm not saying they're bad players, but obviously something's not working there that, you know, now the Cardinals are in fire sale mode. Yeah. And, um, they're, they're in the fire sale mode. They're getting ready to sell for what seems like the first time in a long time for the Cardinals. And, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I, uh, I even try to struggle with like, if I was to put pieces together to like make it work, honestly, like Brendan Donovan is probably like the player that I think right now would help the Mariners the most been a consistent bat for the last two years. Um, can play second base, can play around the field, would be a nice DH bat. Like he's probably that, but the value of Logan Gilbert over Brennan Donovan is pretty big, right? So like, oh yeah, it would absolutely. have to be. It would have to be. You know, um, if I was even going to make something work, right? So like, I don't want to kibosh it just because I feel like if I was even to make something work, it would have to be like a Brendan Donovan and like a Lars Newbart, right? Like it would have to be those two mm-hmm. guys. It would have to be somebody that I think is going to be consistent. And then I would take some of the risk when it comes to like a Newt Bar or a Walker. Um, but I think the combination of those players is going to be a no-go for the Cardinals. So like, I just, I think we're trying to, I think everybody's kind of seeing these pieces and they say like, oh yeah, they should line up. But I don't think that there's, I don't think there's an easy to have deal to be done here. I guess that's where I'm going with it. So um, <clears throat> I don't know. I think you, you and I, I talked about, we're much more open to the idea of moving Brian Wu or Bryce Miller. I think that's much more realistic when it comes to this, but we don't really have any idea what the comfort level that the Cardinals have with either of those guys is. You you know what deal I would do, Bo? I would do Logan Gilbert for Shohei Otani straight up. You know what? If you twist my arm, I might even throw in Cade Marlowe. Cade Marlowe. Um, I like that. How about one of those kids that we just drafted? How about that? See if they see if one of the kids, the 20th round can make, can pull the deal off. But uh, no, I think that's better than some Otani deals that I've seen out there. So well done. Um, <clears throat> uh, oh, please, please, please tell me off, off when we're done with the podcast, what you've been hearing. Okay. Yeah. That blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> that it is worse than that. Yeah. But- yeah, like I said, everybody, everybody is everybody is writing, everybody is picturing Shohei Otani, and they're making pretty pictures of Shohei Otani in their team's jersey and everything else. So that's where we're at with that. Um, but anyways, no, uh, I mean back on the Logan Gilbert stuff, I don't even kind of know where to start. Well, like I don't like, I could talk again. I could convince myself in in I could convince myself in Brendan Donovan. I think Brendan Donovan fits what this team needs. He's team controllable, like Jerry and team really love, right? He's going to be a free agent after 2029, I guess, I guess at 2029. So like he would be with this team for a little while. There's a lot to like there, but his value is certainly not equal to what Logan Gilbert's getting. So I think, I think you would have to give us a lot, a couple other pieces back when, in addition to that, to get him. So um, again, I think the deal is Brian Wu. And then you have Brendan Donovan on the other side. I think if you're comparing apples and apples, Donovan probably has a little bit more value than Wu at the current time. Um, so you've got to kind of add in prospects, maybe a couple other pieces to maybe have something work there. And I feel like that's going to have to be the deal that's going to have to be done. I just don't, 
Um, I think Gilbert has almost more value than I think Luis Castillo had at this point last year, which you think that's somewhat fair. I know Fangraphs is going that's fair. I know Fangraphs will I think we'll note on it when it kind of comes out, but Fangraphs is going through their um their trade value portion that they do every this time every year. And I think Logan Gilbert's gonna be pretty high on that list, so we'll see kind of where he ends up at. But oh yeah. Um I think the value of Logan Gilbert is very high and we should be we should be we should ask a whole lot for him. Yeah, that's my thought. Yep. We we should try to get the King's ransom. Um and Honestly, if I'm looking at it right now, you know, you keep bringing up Brennan Donovan. I don't I don't think the Cardinals are a team I want to trade with. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, King's Ransom, maybe go for a more established bat. You know, who knows what's going to be on the market because there is a lot of teams playing well right now. Like, even the Yankees that are in last place in the AL East are sitting like six games over 500. So, yeah. So the other couple notes we got a couple, uh, a sign, you know, a signing and, a you know, a Mariners claim first one Mariners signed Logan Allen to a minor league deal. Um, and then the second one Mariners claimed Adam Aller. Um, what, what do you know about these two, Bo? Uh, yeah. So, uh, Logan Allen, um, a left-hander, um, they signed him to a kind of a minor league deal, um, Miley contract that is, and they sent him directly to Tacoma. Um, <clears throat> he was formerly on the, formerly on the guardians for a little while. He is only 26 years old. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, he was pretty, he was, he was a pretty, I would say like well-regarded prospect for a little while in the guardians and then just couldn't really find his footing there. Um, I think he bounced around with, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. He bounced around a little bit with the Rockies and then the Orioles for a little bit. Um, so he's kind of had a couple of ups and downs, but um, I think they've grown, we're going to try to transition him to more of a relief role. I think that's what he's kind of been working out of recently. And he had some really rough numbers in Colorado, um, which I think is Albuquerque. If I remember correctly now and their AAA team, I can't remember entirely, but um, he had a couple of rough numbers earlier this year, but I think there's a decent chance, right? The Mariners do pretty well with um, relief prospects. So we'll see if, you know, we can kind of get something and squeeze something out of him out of there. So, um, something to keep an eye on there. Um, and then Adam Ollier, uh, honestly, I haven't done a too big of a dive into Adam Ollier. Um, I just say another, um, <clears throat> kind of a similar player that's kind of bounced around through a couple, um, you know, I most, most notably the, the athletics and then the, and the athletics at the Mets and then the giants and the pirates before that. So, um, a guy that also started a little bit throughout his kind of my early career. Um, and then it's going to try to, I think, go strictly into the bullpen, um, was most recently on the bullpen of the, of the athletics. So, um, you know, I'll just say hasn't had that great of numbers thus far, but again, Mariners have figured out something on the bullpen side of things. So we'll see if they can kind of convert him into some sort of usable reliever. Um, he actually has started quite a bit too, as well. So, um, We'll see what the Mariners want to use him as, I think, as they go forward. So just two good arms. Um, the Mariners are always stocking up on those kind of types of um, low-risk relief arms. Um, so we'll see what we get out of them. Yeah, and with how our pitcher's health has been uh, this year, you know, it certainly doesn't hurt at all to, you know, stock up on these types of guys just in case we need to use anyone in a pinch. So, yeah. Anyways, Bo, let's move on from Mariners notes. Let's talk about the atrocity that has been the Mariners versus Tigers. 
Uh, I was not expecting how the Mariners played this series coming out of the All-Star break. I figured they would have been, I don't know, rejuvenated, refreshed, ready to go. And I don't feel like that's what we got. You know, at least the first two games of that series. Yeah, I... uh... Would you say starting with the Rays? Would you say would you say starting with the Rays series to the All Star game was? Would you go? Up, would you say that was probably our best stretch of baseball throughout the year? Would you say that? Absolutely. Would you say that? Absolutely, it yeah. was the best. You know, we we talk about the Astros series probably being the best series of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, we honestly probably should have came out of a sweep with that one. Um, the Giants series, we took two or three from a good ball club, and the Rays. You know, up until that point were one of the best teams in baseball, not saying they still aren't, but they kind of regressed a little bit, but I would say of the baseball we've seen this season, like probably the best stretch of games that we've had all season. Yeah. So I think to go to say that, you know, what we were expecting after the All-Star break certainly wasn't, uh, certainly wasn't what we got. Right. Um, just a couple of rough games and, the series of Kerry Carpenter and uh, yeah, I, I mean, we had some, we had some decent pitching performances and um, you know, I think Kirby had probably one of his, you know, not a great performance, but it really didn't, it really didn't matter at the end of the day. Cause we didn't score any runs. So, um, you know, I think it's, you know, kind of sounds like a broken record from us. I think from some of our earlier podcasts, but the offense and the offensive inconsistency and the inability to score runs was the, I think the highlight and the, you know, main point of the series. Yeah. Even in the win, the two, nothing win. Um, we just couldn't really scratch things together. You know, Cal Raleigh had a home run in game three, but, um, wasn't much offense outside of like the first inning double from Kelnick. So, um, let's start with game one here. Game one saw Eduardo Rodriguez versus Luis Castillo and, Eduardo, Eduardo Rodriguez. Try to say that like 10 times fast. Um, he came out with the victory, a 5-4 victory over the Mariners. He's 5-5 five and five on the season as a 270 ERA. Uh, Luis Castillo took the loss. He's now 6-7, 296 ERA. Castillo, he gave up two home runs. Didn't look great in that aspect. And it just seems like the last few starts from him, he's pitching a lot in the first three innings like laboring for the through the first two three innings of the game once he kind of finds his groove he gets into it and he starts throwing better you know but like it it's been painful probably his last six seven starts just watching him pitch because it seems like first and second innings throwing at least 20 to 25 pitches an inning yeah, a lot of three ball counts, um, a lot of foul balls, like a lot of pitches. I think that um, just kind of get left over the plate, and they're racking up that pitch count against him. I think he's only gone. He has racked up a couple seven inning starts this season, but um, yeah, it just makes it tough. And I think the uh, you know he's probably not the only one, but uh, you know the Mariners. In the first three innings of baseball this year, the pitching staff, they're, they're an earned run higher versus innings four through six and innings seven through nine. So like innings one through three for the pitching staff, Luis is obviously a big part of that, have been a struggle this year. And um, 
uh, yeah, I think Luis's monsters kind of been the third inning. And I think in this game in particular, it was the first inning, right? Um, even though I don't think, uh, I think he gave up another earned run after that, but, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's, uh, I think you're, I think you're exactly right. Right. Um, I think he just left a couple balls over the plate in this game, um, that he seems to do in the early parts of the games. And I'm not sure what that exactly is. Right. I haven't, we should probably go back and I think analyze a little bit to kind of look at maybe what they were doing last year. Right. But, um, it does seem to be a mm-hmm. little bit of a problem this year, those first three innings for almost all our starters. <clears throat> Yeah. Castillo's final line was five innings pitch. He only gave up four hits. Two of those ended up being home runs. Uh, three runs, all three of them earned, had five Ks. He had no walks, which was good. You know, if we pull a positive out of his start, he had no walks, which is good to see because he's been kind of walking a little bit more the last few starts. Um, Gabe Spire came in after, pitched a good one inning, had a strikeout. Um, this one really hurts to say Ty Adcock came in, gave us an inning, um, should have probably been out of the inning. Uh, I think Dylan Moore had an error and that led to a two run shot. So he gave up his first earned run of the season. He only, he got tagged for two runs, but only one of them was earned. Um, but man, I wanted to see him rock that 0.00 earned run average for a lot longer than he did. Yeah, agreed. And it was, uh, I think we have, we have made uh, fun of, I believe Nick Maton, um, on this podcast, but, uh, Nick Maton got the best of, uh, Ty Adcock in that at bat. So there you go. He certainly should have not <laughs> so just Nick Maton, uh, brother of Phil Maton, who was having a bad time in the Astros series against the Mariners got a little redemption for his brother and came up and hit a home run off our boy, Ty Adcock. So uh, finish up the pitching stats here. Saucedo came in one, two thirds of an inning, uh, gave up one hit, had one strikeout. And then Matt Festa, you know what? The Mariners up until Matt Festa did a very good job of not walking anyone. Matt Festa came in and in one and a third innings, gave up three walks, no hits, but gave up three walks. So, um, he also didn't go up runs, but seems a little bit excessive in, uh, inning in a third, um, from old Matty. So, um, and then not much to go over offensively. Uh, Julio did have a pretty decent day coming out of the all-star break Went two for four, had a run had a base on balls. Um, Kelnick went one for one in pitch. It looks like he, did he pinch hit. I think he pinch hit. Uh, he pinched so. pinch, well. Ty got Ty France got ejected in this game, and right, yeah, right. Yeah, I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, old Ty, that was Ty's very had, warranted Ty, ejection. Ty's, by the yeah, way. Ty's also having just a rough go of things, just everywhere it seems like. But yes, Ty Ty got ejected in this yeah. game, and I believe uh, Jared came in and they moved guys around. Dillmore moved to first, I believe, and then Jared went to left. So, yeah, and then when Moore went to first, I think he had that air, and then. You know, it just spawned from there, spiraled from there. So um, only other offensive note I have here, Mike Ford. Coming in in the ninth inning, giving the Mariners fans a little glimmer of hope by hitting a home run. Pinch hit home run, by the way. Ninth hit home run of the season. Came off um, Alex Lang of the Tigers. Alex Lang ended up getting the save after Mike Ford went deep on him. But... um, 
God, what else can we say about Mike Ford? I'm liking what I'm seeing from him. Um, runners in scoring position, two for eight. Team left on base, seven. And that was Friday's game. Not six hits. Not much offense to talk about. Not much outside of the Luis Castillo giving up two home runs to talk about. Uh, yeah, I'll add. Um, I'll add. I thought it was good to uh, Dylan Moore got a big hit in this game. Um, he scored a couple runs, so I thought that that was. I believe that's only Dylan Moore's second hit of the season thus far. Uh, let's, but let's go uh, back to his average. But uh, but yeah, because of that, uh, because of that, I would say it was good to see that. So we'll see. Um, we'll see if anything comes of it. But um, uh, overall, good to see Dylan Moore getting some runs on the board. Anyways, so um, if you're looking for some positives, yeah. there you go. But uh, yeah, tough game to lose. Yep. Yeah, Friday Friday's game. Dylan Moore did go one for three. Had. Two RBIs. Didn't have a run, but he had two RBIs. His average is up to .067. So, raising it ever so slightly. You know, we want that a little bit better, just like we wanted Flex and ZRA to go down, and we know we know what happened there. Yeah. So. Yep. <laughs> Going into game two, I thought, man, it's got to be better, right? And then uh, Michael Lorenzen came in. And really just stomped on our hopes and dreams and um, had a no hitter for quite a while going on, but uh, ended up Mariners getting three hits, but they lost six, nothing. Um, I got a question for you, Bo. You think Lorenzen went home after the all-star game? Like, do you think he left Seattle at any point? Cause he was at the all-star game, got it some pitching in um, it, during the game itself. And we saw him working out a bunch in the outfield. You think he actually went home? Or did he did he just tell the Tigers, I'm gonna meet you in in T Mobile? Well, that's a great question. It looked like Lorenzen was having a lot of fun at the All Star game. Guy was trying to rob home oh, runs and he was he was living it up. He was living his best life. Uh but no. Um I don't know. Seattle's a pretty fun place that you could find you could find enough to do to, for two days there, I think, after the All Star game. So I'm gonna say he I'm just mm-hmm. gonna say he stuck around. That's what I'm gonna say. Let's go with that. So yeah. I I think you did too. Who was having more fun during the All-Star game? I, I'm sorry to sidebar you because I really don't want to talk about this game. But <laughs> who was having more fun? Lorenzen, he was signing autographs, robbing home runs, or Pablo Lopez, who was sitting in right or in right center where we were sitting, catching a lot of balls and throwing them to people, but he was throwing them left-handed. Yeah, good point, good point, good point. Uh Probably it's uh, a tough one. I'm going to go. I'm probably going to still go with Lorenzen because I think he I think he robbed one or two from batting practice. If I remember correctly. So that's that's probably the way to go. But Pablo, you know, throwing left handed, also being in a place that he could have been as a player, as a prospect. So but uh, yeah, I don't know. Tough, tough question there. So we'll go with Lorenzen. Yep. Lorenzen was fun during the All-Star game. He was not fun in this game. He pitched well. I got up. I got Did he, did he pitch well though? That's what I'm. I think he. I think he walked five guys it, in this it, game. You know right? Then he didn't he walk I, five guys? Like he. I mean, he did. He did. He. I mean, he did pretty good job. I would say of. Uh, I think he had eleven swings and misses. Um, did pretty well at limiting hard contact, but that's because we only had three hits and they were all kind of weak, weak balls. Um, so. 
I don't know. I I I I, I got to say, I think Lorenzen pitched fairly well, struck us out seven times, but this just feels more like a bad Mariners offense than Michael Lorenzen being good. I I don't normally do this, Bo, but I'm looking at at Lorenzen's line here: six and two thirds innings, two hits, only given up five walks. Yes, so seven times the Mariners got on base and it led to zero runs. Again, I think you're probably right. That's more the Mariners offense being atrocious than Michael Lorenzen doing well. And then the seven, the seven K's, um, you know, who I think had a very similar line here, um, earlier in the season against the Mariners, Brian, Brian Bayo from the Red Sox. Cause didn't he walk like five or six guys and we didn't score any runs off of him. I think that sounds, that sounds somewhat similar. Yep. I think so. Yeah, so good on Lorenzen, good on Bale earlier because you guys did, <laughs> did fairly well against the atrocious Mariners offense. Mariners got three hits. I mean, what else do you say about it? Uh, one hit from JP, one hit from Kelnick, one hit from, of all people, Wong. You know, so three hits. That Wong, was, Wong hit was a double, so we couldn't bring him around. He was in scoring position. Over five with runners in scoring position, seven left on base. Um, Ty France, it seemed like every time we got someone on base, Ty France grounded into a double play because he had two of them. So um, just a bad all around performance by the Mariners offense in this game. Uh, very bad, very bad performance. Um, I uh, trying to think, I think it resulted or ended up in Ty France. Um, moving down the order the next day. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. I think you have to wonder with Ty France right now and maybe I'll put it back to you. Just kind of what your thoughts are right now. Cause I just know that he is, uh, <clears throat> um, I mean, you can go just off the basic stat line here, right? Uh, 254, 323, 378 slug. Um, all below his career, all below last year, all below the year before, all below with 2020, you know, COVID year, what have you. But um, what do you think? What do you think is up to Ty France? Is he injured? Is he, is he just not, is he just kind of becoming um, maybe the average player that a lot of people thought he was going to be? Or is it, uh, is it bad luck? What do you think is going on there? I hope he's not injured. I really hope he's not. I'm hoping that, collision he had with uh Isaac Paredes from the Rays you know didn't screw some up but I don't know he's such a hot and cold hitter you know up until that Blue Jays series earlier in the season he wasn't hitting well and they came out of that and raised his batting average like 40 points was starting to look good thought maybe for a little bit he could contend to try to get into the all-star game and then he's he's kind of heavily regressed I don't know would you say the last one and a half, two months now, you know? So I hope he's not injured, but I, I also can't say it's just him because, I mean, look at the rest of the offense. Julio's having a down year. Cal Raleigh's hitting 220. G- Gino's hitting 223. Kelnick started off hot. He's down to 248. You know, Colton Wong's not having a good season. So, I mean, really, really – are we just supposed to look at Ty France? Or are we supposed to look at this team as a whole? You know, I don't know. Yeah, it's 
No, I think it's probably right. I just think uh, anti France has had uh, has had a fairly he has had fine a season. I think before this, right? I think his June was pretty good, and his May was relatively okay. So, um, yeah, I, I think some of his um, expected statistics, right, are going to be a little bit better than where his numbers are at right now. So I'm hopeful that um, you know those start to come up a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah, I think the K, I think the strikeouts are a little higher than they have been in years past. So just something to, I just think keep to monitor there, but um, yeah, I, um, <clears throat> I think it's just another notch in the kind of the Mariners offensive. I think it's just going to add another wrinkle to maybe the Mariners offensive plans come the off season. I think that's where I'm, where I'm kind of going with it right now with high France, just uh, it might be something that we might have to address um, at some point along the line, I don't know if first base is really, I think our, our needs are more focused on probably second base and the outfield right now. Um, but, uh, yeah. it might be something we, we might look at addressing in the off season as well. So. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, there's still, there's still a couple months left in the season. We could see what he's got left in the tank, but, um, yeah, outside of that, Kirby didn't have a good game, gave up six runs. All of them earned in five innings, eight hits, had a walk, struck out four, gave up two home runs. Did you watch this game, Bo? Did you like watch this game or did you watch the condensed version after? Um, so I mean I'm I kinda watch I, watching a game in its entirety is a little tough for me, but like um, I watched bits and pieces, you know, I watched Carpenter hit the home runs off of uh, Kirby in this game or the single home run. I can't remember if it was two or not. And then, you know, I go try to go back and fill it in with a condensed game. So um, it was a tougher game to watch just because it just felt like a game. Mariners offense was just, yeah, you, you, you feel those games from the Mariners where you just, you know, that they just don't have it right on certain nights. And this was mm-hmm. one of the games that that happened at. So I, I ended up having to work early on Sunday. So I was getting ready for bed oh, by the third, fourth inning and I'm laying in bed and Abby and I were talking about something. And when I turned over to talk to her, there was like two runs in the game. It was two nothing. I flipped back over. We gave up six runs and I, or another four, it was six nothing. And it's the first time in a while I just shut off the game. Like I remember I woke up because my phone went off and the game said it was over. But it's the first time in a long time that I've just, I've just shut off a game. I was like, this is getting nowhere. And I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed now. That's how bad this game was. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, the tigers were, they're not, a. tigers are a fine team, but they play in one of the weaker divisions in baseball. Um, you know, Michael Lorenzen, you know, despite, uh, you know, it's been pretty good for the most season was their lone all-star and, you know, Michael Lorenzen's not, um, I would say ace material or anything. Right. Um, so yeah, just a, just a tough game to watch, tough, tough game to watch. And, um, uh, I think the, you know, this is also a game that they, the tigers were just on Kerry Carpenter seemed to just be hitting everything that was over the plate and, um, things just weren't going to go the way it matters way at least on this game. So tough one to watch. I think the only positive we can bring out of this game as I'm looking at the stats, again, I didn't watch it, but I'm looking at stats here. Uh, Topa Saucedo and Isaiah Campbell came in after Gilbert to fill in those four innings. Topa went an inning, struck out three. 
Sacedo went two innings, only gave up one hit, struck out two. Isaiah Campbell came in, gave us an inning, struck out two. So between those three guys in the last four innings of the game, gave up one hit, struck out seven people. So there's your positive from the game. Um, great pitching performance from the bullpen. You know, kind of a lost cause by the time they came in, but um, good on the bullpen for coming in and kind of showing, showing some sort of dominance. And like you said with that stat earlier in the podcast, one through three, you know, a whole run, earned run, you know, more than innings four through six or seven through nine. You know, so a lot of that is got to do with our starting pitching. And that just goes to show that our bullpen is, you know, at times can have down games, but overall has been really good. Yeah, and bullpens are going to have that, right? So um, <clears throat> it's just uh... – yeah, just hopefully we can eventually put it all together at some point. I thought we put it together to the you know before the All Star break, but um, yeah, this was a this is a tougher series overall to watch. But um, you know, I think on that note, I thought we played a little bit better on Sunday. I think as we kind of move into the next game, but uh, yeah, still an overall kind of tougher tougher I think series to consume as a Mariner fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, from what I heard, though, you you made at least part of this game. Sounds like you made some of this game. You ended up going and seeing the last few innings. Uh, yep. The The kid woke up early from the nap and we decided uh, we'd meet up with the rest of the family at the ballpark. And uh, so we missed a little bit of the middle of the game, probably missed the most exciting parts of it, but uh, I'm still able to see kind of Paul Sewell come in at the end. So it's fun to see. And it was good to get to the ballpark. Um, you know, it's really nice day in Seattle as well. So um yeah, I thought this was uh, it was an overall fun experience as uh, T-Mobile usually is. So it was uh, it was a good one, and it ended up being a, a good end to the game as well. Is this the most you've been to T-Mobile in like one? We'll say like one and a half, two weeks. Like in a one and a half, two weeks stretch. Is this the most you've been to the ballpark? Um, based upon hours, um. Probably, probably. But uh, I mean, I got to the ballpark for the playoff game last year. I got to the ballpark at like 10 a.m. And I didn't leave until I didn't leave until like 8 p.m. Right. So like I was there for a long time at T-Mobile for the for the playoff game. So uh, based upon hours, pretty close to that one. But uh, I think certainly on days that I went and, you know, hours spent coupled with that, um, I think. Yeah, this is probably the the most I've been to T-Mobile certainly in the last seven days. Yeah. I I certainly enjoyed my time at T-Mobile. I'm sure you did, but <laughs> um, Mariners got the two nothing win um, against Detroit on Sunday. Um, brought their record back up to 500. Uh, Bryce Miller came back off the injured list, gave us five innings, gave up five hits, but no runs, only one base on balls, had three Ks. Um, and again, another good performance by the bullpen. Brash, Topa, Munoz, and Seawald all came in after Bryce Miller for those four innings. Brash got a hold, didn't give up a hit. Topa got a hold, didn't give up a hit. Munoz came in, didn't give up a hit, got a hold. And Seawald did give up one hit, but struck out three people, got the save, his 18th save of the season. Overall, a, a very good p- pitching performance from the Mariners. Only allowed six hits, no runs. You know, uh, a combined shutout 
You know, I wish I wish we could say that like we do combined no hitters, but good day from the Mariners pitching staff. Yeah, very good day for the pitching staff. Um, and they kind of needed it in this game as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I think overall Bryce Miller looked uh, good coming back from his um, blister injury there. Um, his pitch mix was up a little bit. So um, <clears throat> I did think that the Tigers are not a good fastball hitting team. So I kind of thought that Bryce Miller was just going to kind of, I thought he was going to pipe him in a lot in this game and he still did. He still threw it, I think about 50% of the time, but we did see the slider just a little bit more in this game. Um, and it was uh, relatively affected. I think he got four whiffs off it in this game. And I think he had a total of 12 overall. So, you know, still the Tigers are still swinging and missing at the fastball as well. So um, good, uh, good to have, I think Bryce Miller back in the fold and um, <clears throat> yeah, I think, uh, and I, you know, the, the, the last, uh, last couple of innings that I saw was, um, yeah, very good dominant pitching, I think, from the bullpen. Um, and uh, Paul Seawald, I think, is just, uh, if we're talking about Mariners' um, consistency, right? Um, Paul Seawald, I feel like, is um, a shining example of that, um, coupled with, I know Andres Munoz had a bad start or a bad outing a couple weeks ago, days ago, what have you there. But um, <clears throat> Yeah, I think once you get to Menunos and Seawald, right, if you can get to those guys and you've got a good solid lead, you're gonna have a really good chance to win the game. And it was uh, it was great fun to see. I think both those guys pitch as well for the for the little bit that I saw of the game, anyways. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you on that. Seawald has been fairly consistent. Likes to give up some home runs in non-save situations, but that's a talk for another day. <laughs> um, offensively. Mariners were able to get six hits. Um, the two big ones coming off of, you know, Kelnick's bat, uh, 24th double of the season, ended up uh, scoring the first run of the game, I think in the first inning, if I remember correctly. And then Cal Raleigh hitting his 12th home run of the season in the fourth inning. That's all the Mariners offense needed to, uh, to pick up the victory. Um, Crawford had a very good day at the plate. He went three for three. Had one run, one base on balls, so he looked pretty good. Julio went one for four. Kelnick went one for four. Cal went one for three, and that's your Mariners hits right there. So, um, you know, when the pitching staff can be as good as they were on Sunday, that lack of offense can pick up a, a win here or there. But the Mariners really, really need to uh, figure out what's happening. You know, if we need to pursue someone at the trade deadline or whatnot because this offense is getting to the point where you know it's it's getting late in the season there's a point of no return i think we're approaching that very quickly yeah we were we were well into our winning streak this time last year right um yeah and uh yeah it 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 feels like we're gonna need another long long winning streak to kind of get there right um and uh yeah it's I think flat out right where with the offense as it stands right now, it's just very difficult to see that coming at the current state. It just, uh, just, that's just the way it feels. Right. Um, I, uh, I was pulling up, um, you know, maybe thinking of JP in this game cause he went three for three and he's having a pretty good season. And, um, I mean, would you say that JP has been probably the most, uh, probably the best offensive player for the Mariners this year. Was that where, is that who you would go with or who would you go with? So thus far, eh, I don't know if he, I would say he's been the best. 
he's been fairly consistent. You know, it, it seems like he's not going through these long, you know, Ty France, Jared Kelnick-esque slumps. You know, he'll have a, he'll mix in a bad day here and there, but I fe- feel like he's probably been one of the more consistent Mariners. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're looking offensively by batting ward, Julio is still the top player on the team in batting war, at least according to fan graphs. So I, I, really, I really don't know. That's hard to answer, especially after we just watched a series like we did against the Tigers. Well, I will go there. I will say that I think JP has been, I think JP's been the best. I think JP's been the best offensive player we've had all year long. Like I'm trying to think Julio's had bits and bits and pieces here. Uh, Ty France says bits and pieces here, but um, in terms of consistency, in terms of um, the ability to walk the, in terms of, you know, cutting down on your strikeouts, getting on base, um, JP's my guy thus far. And, um, <clears throat> I, uh, I think the, and I, I, I don't, I'm not meaning this in like the negative way as possible, but, um, JP's a good baseball player. JP's a, uh, you know, been one of the better ones on the Mariners this year. But uh, when I go to just OPS, right. And I go to on baseball slugging percentage, right. Very, I think basic way to look at things, but I think it, I think it's very effective to kind of understand player performance. Um, mm-hmm. And the AL, if I start, uh, you know, OPS for guys that have, I think it's like 150 plate appearances. Um, JP's 57th on that list, right? Wow. 57th on that list. And as much as I like JP Crawford, right? Um, like JP Crawford can't be your best offensive player on your team. Like I just, no. I think that yeah. that's where ultimately where I'm going with this is like JP Crawford, very core contributor to the team this year, but he cannot be the best offensive player on a playoff team. So, but something's got to change. I think that's yes. You know, I don't think we're having this conversation if in that place, you know, we were talking about Ty France, obviously we wouldn't be talking like that if it was Julio or, or I don't know, but JP, he just, I love the guy to death, to death, but, he just can't be the best offensive player on the Mariners. And the stats are not backing up that point because he seems to be stat-wise the best Mariners player right now. You know, best offensive weapons. So Well, let's uh, wait, let's wait a couple weeks and let's give old Mike Ford a chance and see where he ends up. How does that sound? What do you think about that? I'm I'm pretty sure he just struck out. So did JP. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> as, yeah. as the twins game is going on. Let's uh dive into a quick um twins preview because that's who's on deck right now all right now we're currently in the middle uh as we're shooting of the twins game one against the mariners sunny gray on the mound for the twins logan gilbert on the mound for the mariners um and then do you have the the probables for game two and game three i do it's actually a four game series so we also have so we have four games we have uh we have brian Wu going against bailey ober tomorrow um, okay. and then that is the Tuesday, I guess tomorrow would be today when you're listening to the podcast. Um, and then we'll have Luis Castillo versus Kenta Maeda going on Wednesday. And then, um, a very fun contest of George Kirby versus Pablo Lopez on Thursday. So that'd be a fun game to watch. Yep. 
I think someone needs to go down and ask him to throw him some baseballs left-handed. <laughs> uh, of course, I'm talking about Pablo Lopez there. Again, so fun to see that happening. But um, I'm really looking forward to that Kirby versus uh, Pablo Lopez um, matchup just because I think Kirby's going to want to come back and get a little bit of redemption for the game he had against the Tigers. And Pablo Lopez has been pretty consistent um, for the last few years. Um, obviously when he was on Miami, but now being on the twins, he was an all-star for God's sake. So he's, he's gotta be doing pretty well for the twins. Um, so, uh, I don't open, open this series goes better than the tiger series. Um, if I'm judging through the first four innings of game one, uh, I'm going to give you a no on that, but, um, again, I won't spoil that. We'll talk about that on Friday's podcast. So, um, but, you know, we, we talked earlier in the podcast a little bit about going to the draft. I mean, not, you know, you, you offhandedly mentioned it, but, um, you know, we haven't had an episode in a few days. And a lot of our draft picks have been signed um, currently. I think we only have one left, and it's a 20th rounder that has not signed. But um, are you fairly surprised with some of the uh, some of the numbers we saw getting thrown around with uh, the Mar- Mariners signing some of these draft picks? Um, uh, yeah, I was relatively, I was really, t- uh, in surprise in terms of like the dollar value that these guys are getting. Is that what kind of what you're referring to? Is that what you're going to yeah, get in there? Yeah. Um, yeah, I would think, I, I think so. I think that, you know, we all anchor ourselves to probably the, the pick value that's on there. Um, but, uh, you know, high school guys have, um, I would say more options than, um, than previously, uh, I would say than they did previously, um, you know, as much as like the, the sec itself with net with, uh, and obviously college baseball is not, um, college baseball in no way as close to football or even basketball, but like, uh, there are NIL deals, right. For college baseball players, especially out of the sec that are pretty nice. Right. So like, um, some of these guys do have those good options, but, um, it's obviously not going to be as much as like a Cole Emerson and Barmelo and Taipei also all got, but um, yeah, I think um, <clears throat> I kind of thought that maybe one of the things with signing some of these prep guys is that we had a better chance of picking them at right at the value, right. Or maybe a little bit under kind of where Taipei I think ended up, I think Taipei ended up a little bit under his pick value. So that was kind of what I was expecting a little bit more, but um, <clears throat> I think Johnny Farmelo took a little bit longer to sign. So um yeah, maybe that was just kind of the way things were, were going thus far, but, um, yeah, I think it's perfectly fine. Right. I think it's, uh, you know, these guys are, um, taking a big risk. I think, um, you know, I think that a lot of them have a pretty good chance if they went to college to, I think maybe raise their stock value in a little way. So, um, but I think overall, um, I think some of them ended up kind of where I think we kind of thought for the most part, I think after those first couple ones, um, even though I think you've kind of mentioned Aiden Smith getting, um, uh, getting a big, um, getting a big contract or getting a big deal, uh, with the fourth pick, but I think the Mariners, um, yeah, the Mariners were able to kind of get him, I think for, how can I put this? They kind of were able to kind of get him. Um, somebody that was probably going to go a little bit earlier and I don't quite know the whole story mm-hmm. about him. Right. Like he was listed as the, the quote unquote, the best pure hitter in the Texas high school ranks. So 
Um, I don't know if there was a lot of thought of him going to Mississippi State, and that was why he just fell quite a bit, or that it was going to cost more to get him signed. But um, I think the Mariners just kind of swooped in and took him there, and um, you know, added him to this uh, plethora of um, you know, nineteen-year-old and eighteen-year-old talents that we're going to have. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know you know he got signed way over slot value, like one point two million dollars, and the slot value was. I don't know, 500,000, 600,000. I can't remember. So he got a good deal. But that kind of helped that guys, you know, um, like Ty Pete, he signed under slot value for where he was drafted. But the the one of the big ones that I saw that I mentioned and you were kind of excited to see was uh, Teddy McGraw. Um, you know, likely probably should have been a first rounder struggling with in- injuries coming off Tommy John. You know, we've heard this before with Brian Wu, but um, – you know, he kind of signed under slot value because, uh, you know, I think the Mariners did take a risk with him having Tommy John and, uh, you know, him getting drafted. Yeah, the Mariners have a uh, – the Mariners like guys with big power sliders, and from what we hear about Teddy McGraw, he kind of has one. Um, and uh, I think the Mariners, you know, wanted to take – you could you could probably mark this as a little bit of a risk, just given that it's it is a higher pick in the third round. But um, you know, Teddy McGraw before you know a lot of the arm injuries and everything else was um, going to be like a first rounder, right? So um, <clears throat> I think overall it's a it's a good pick. I think the Mariners have shown us the Mariners have developmental system has given us a, a good uh, I would say pipeline of pitching, and they've been able to kind of work guys out that. Um, maybe uh we didn't think we're gonna make it like kind of maybe like brian Wu, right and um yeah i think this is just a good pick i think for our organization this was a better pick than maybe teddy mcgraw ending up with uh no make it up like the rockies or um the rockies or even the cardinals right that seem like i've had a hard time to develop pitching so i think that teddy mcgraw is a good fit especially for being in a mariner uniform or a mariner you know minor uniform for the time being so pretty excited about that one i think he's also somebody that um, very well could probably move through the system relatively quickly. Um, so mm-hmm. somebody else to keep an eye on, I think as well. I, I don't know if you remember hearing it when we were at the draft, we we're sitting up in our seats and, you know, kind of as, as picks got announced, you saw more and more people leave, but we had these, I don't know, I'd say it was two or three guys sit behind us for a while. And it's funny you brought up the Rockies because I remember, um, Chase Dollinger, getting drafted. I think it was ninth overall by the Rockies. And the first thing out of those guys' mouth was he's going to Colorado. Well, rip to his career. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad McGraw. It's not going through that. So, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's accurate. Go look up, uh, Riley pint a couple years back. Um, but, uh, yeah, Colorado's a tough place to pitch, but anyways, no, Teddy McGraw, super excited again. I think the Mariners would do some good things with him. So, yeah. 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 Well, Bo, um, that's kind of our show. Do you got anything else to add before we get out of here? Uh, I don't think so. I think that's it for me. Cool. Well, that's it for me too, sir. For all our listeners in the Puget Sound, Pacific Northwest, and beyond, thank you for time taking time to listen to another edition of the Forkstown Podcast. For Bo Chisholm, I'm Rick Clark, and we'll see you guys on Friday.